with you, please join me and turn to John chapter 16. I'll be reading from verses 25 through 33, the end of the chapter, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard. These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, and hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. I came from I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and go to the Father. His disciples said, Lo, now, you are speaking plain and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world, <clears throat> pardon me. In the world, you have tribulation, but take comfort or <clears throat> take courage. I have overcome the world. We're reminded from Isaiah 9, 6, the prophecy made there that a child is going to be born, a son is going to be given, the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. He reminds us there in the last verse, verse 33 of the reading out of John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Peace is not always as we might think it's going to be. The peace is not the lack of conflict in the physical world in which we live or necessarily within our families, maybe not even within ourselves. There's a peace that we have knowing who God is, knowing who Jesus is, knowing what they have done for us, what they are doing with us, and what they will do for us in the future. We get reminded about what God has to offer for us and a life that we live. And so many times within our life we have that desire of Believing that once we become this child of God, once we have the forgiveness of sins, once we've been raised to walk this new life, that indeed we're going to have this bed of roses in this physical world. And then we find out we do not have that. And there are those who get discouraged and those who lose faith and who Jesus is and what he's done for them and what he's doing with them and what he will do for them in the future. But let the things begin to overwhelm them. We're reminded that the things that we have written in the scriptures were written for our admonition, for our learning, that we through the patience and the comforts of the scriptures might have hope. So there are accounts that we have for us through the pages of God's Word, all written for us. But sometimes as we read them, we simply read the account, see somewhat of a lesson there, and then we move on. And we forget sometimes the deeper application that we have along the way. A little bit earlier in the Gospel of Luke, back in chapter 8, down to verse 22. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. One is remembering that he had handpicked his disciples. He picked them not on the basis of what the world would choose, but on the basis of what would be believed that they could do and would do for
for the cause of Christ. They had seen miracles. They had been able to do miracles. They've been able and privileged to walk with the Son of God. And at times, several of them, Peter, James, and John, would be able to see Jesus in a situation that no other had ever seen. And what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where he was changed before their very presence with the glory that God had given to him. But even seeing, believing, doing, they still had problems of trusting who this Jesus is. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and spoke and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased. And there was calm. They had forgotten who was in the boat with them. And do we not at times, as we live our lives and there's storms raging around us, doesn't matter what nature, could be economically, it could be politically, it could be family-wise, There could be a host of things that a storm rages around us. And we lose that perspective. We are perishing. Jesus, God, do you not care that we are perishing? They took the focus off of Jesus and looked at the circumstances in which they found themselves. But again... They failed to acknowledge that they were in the presence of God. And he would ask them, why are you afraid? Jesus was in the same same storm as they were. But he knew who had control. And they had acknowledged that he was the Messiah, this Prince of Peace. But they had failed to realize what this Prince of Peace could give. And you think about it, being in a boat with Jesus. You are in the presence of God and you're in a storm-tossed sea, and your concern is not who you are with, 
but your concern is what is going on around you. And if you were going to die that day, who would you rather be with than the Son of God? His question to them in verse 25, he said to them, where is your faith? Where is your faith? You believe in God, believe also in me. Where is your faith? Is your faith dependent upon physical circumstances? They're subject to change at any time. Is your faith in God only dependent upon the fact that you have security? You have good health? You've got good family, you've got good friends, you've got good brothers and sisters in Christ. Is that where your faith is? And when there's turmoil, what do you do? Become afraid. Where is the faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Again, they had done miracles. As you read the scriptures, they were given the same powers that Jesus was. They raised the dead, they healed the sick, allowed the blind to see, cleansed leprosy. They were able to do all of this, and yet they marveled over the fact that there was one who could control the winds and the waves. Marveled at that. Who is this? They had come from God. Looked on Jesus, uh, John talks about that in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, where he came from. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They understood from the prophecy of Isaiah, as that began to unfold, and Jesus explained to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, of what he would be able to do. He would tell them time and time again, unless you believe in me, you're going to perish. And yet, these disciples, the chosen, one, the chosen ones of God, had lost perspective. This is written for us, that we, through the patience and the comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. This is written for us, that we could learn, be convinced, be convicted of who it is that we call our Savior. For us to have an understanding of what this Savior is able to do within our lives. The circumstances are not removed. And that's what we look for so many times is 
for him to remove the circumstances, remove the turmoil, remove what we perceive as immediate danger. And we do that in our lives sometimes. We forget that. We want the immediate danger to be taken away. We understand that someday this physical life is going to end. We just do not want it to end at this particular time. I just want to see this. I just want to see that. I just want to see my children get married. I just want to see my grandkids graduate from high school. Whatever it is, we don't want time to end now. We're not sure when we want it to end, but we just know it's not now, and we live in the now. So tomorrow will be the now that we don't want the world to end, our lives to end then, and then the day after tomorrow will be the now that we don't want the world, our lives to end then either. We just simply do not want it to end. And so anything that threatens the physical life puts us in a, a panic mode, if you will. These disciples are in a panic mode. The winds are blowing. The waves are overcoming the ship. It's filling with water. And where is Jesus? Asleep. Asleep. And they have to go wake him up. Do we trust God? Jesus was. He was trusting his father. He knew him, what he could do as well, but he's trusting the Father. Where's your trust? It's easy to serve God when everything is going well. It becomes extremely more difficult when the situation changed along the way. Where is your faith? He would rebuke his disciples for not believing in him. They had more faith, if you will, as fear, but more faith in the storm than they did in him. This storm is going to overwhelm us rather than saying Jesus can take care of the storm. This trial in my life is going to overwhelm me more than my believing that Jesus will give me the strength to overcome the storm. Whatever that storm is, Jesus gives me the strength to deal with that. I come to give you a peace. Not like the world gives. That's where you have the calm sea and the winds calm, not blowing. Not as the world gives peace. I come to give you a peace that God can give. That says the physical does not matter. You're here for a short time anyway. James says your life is a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And we're going to be concerned about this vapor that we're living in and forget about what eternity holds for those who are faithful to God. We have our eyes focused on the wrong place. And again, as you live your life, do you realize that Jesus is in the boat with you? He's the one that told them to launch out. They believed him enough to obey him to get in the boat and to sail out. 
But then they lost confidence. So many are willing to to begin the journey. But when the journey gets rough, they become discouraged and think that this is not what I signed up for. But it is. When we made that decision, or as we make that decision to become a child of the living God, when we're willing to trust His words enough to obey them, to repent of sins that separate us from God, to confess that Jesus is the Lord, to obey Him in baptism for the remission of those sins, to be raised to do what? To live the old life? To live a new life. To live a different life. To remind ourselves that when we did that, we crucified self. We put self to death. So it's not self that lives now. It's Christ living in us. That changes the life. It changes the perspective that we have. It changes the hope that we have. It's not just what I do physically in this world that makes the difference. It's how do I do it and why do I do it? I'm doing it for the glory of God, but how am I doing it? Sometimes in the physical world we do things that we do not like to do, but we do them because they have to be done, and oftentimes or sometimes we begrudge doing them. Do we do that spiritually? Well, I'm a child of God now. Well, I cannot do this and I cannot do that. And I forget what I can do. I can live for Jesus. And I can be his disciple. And I can glorify and to honor his name in a life that is separate and apart from this world. Where is your faith? Several times Jesus would ask his disciples or tell them, O ye of little faith. He tells them what faith can do. It removes mountains. Because if I'm facing an obstacle that I see as a mountain, but if I'm the child of God with Christ in heaven, I'm looking down this way, that mountain is just a molehill. It's not as large as it seems. I have God working with me. I've got my trust in him. That he'll move things as he wants them moved. And as I face the obstacles that I I have to deal with, then I realize that there's a reason. There's lessons to be learned. And oftentimes those lessons are simply the ones, what do you really believe in? Do you believe that when you become a Christian, all your problems are solved? You're going to have the perfect marriage. You're going to have the perfect job. You're going to have a perfect relationship with society. What do you believe? What are you living for? Solomon Old was right. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Read Ecclesiastes. It's amazing how it's described human nature to a T. Wonder why. Who is the author? Not Solomon. 
God. We live our lives, we say, we script, we, you know, whatever else we do, and then we go and we leave it to another. And Solomon said, and who knows whether the one you leave it to is going to be wise or foolish. Just be frightening, does it? Everything that you loved and worked for and saved for is going to be left to another, and who knows? We've got those around here telling you that they're, they're called estate sales. <laughs> and I promise you when you go to estate sales or yard sales, whatever they have all that out on, people don't care what you paid for. People do not care how long you saved for it. People don't care what sacrifice you made for it. All they want is because they like it and they want it as cheap as they can get it. That's what Solomon is saying. One may be wise, but one may be foolish. What do we do with what God has given to us? If he's with us, do you not believe that he's with us in the storms that we face? Oftentimes, when the weather is bad and there's a storm raging and the thunder can be heard rattle the house and the lightning lights up the sky, small children have a tendency to do what? Run for the parents. Why? Safety. Security. Does running to the parents... Physically change the storm? Still the same storm. But you're in the presence of one you know who loves you and one you believe will protect you during that storm. Do we not believe that spiritually? Do we not? The storm doesn't change. There's just security in being near the Father and the Son. Protection. The disciples had forgotten that. The disciples had forgotten the peace, not that the world gives, but the peace that comes from the Father. He's called the Prince of Peace because that is exactly what he does. He brings peace. It's a different kind. It is a peace that the world in no way can match. But only enriches for those that are in Christ. He's carried you through storms so far. He'll carry you through storms until the end. And as you face these storms, does not your trust in the Savior increase? He's already delivered you. He's promised you he will always continue to deliver you. The Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, the Lord himself has said, I will never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. 
If God is with us, what can man or what can the world do to us? If God is with us, whatever it is, the Lord is greater. But where is our faith and where is our trust? Again, we may be like those disciples early. We can have the knowledge of who he is. We've had the understanding in the life that we lived and see the changes that have been made as they did theirs. But when it gets really difficult, when it gets overwhelming, as we live our lives, do we remind ourselves that Jesus is in the boat with us and that he cares. He took care of the storm. That has not changed. He will continue to take care of the storms in our lives. There's a fountain free. Tis for you, tis for me. Fountain that offers forgiveness of our sins to have washed away and remembered no more by God. A fountain that gives hope far beyond this life and far greater than anything that we can imagine. The fountain is free. It did cost God his son. It did cost the son his life. But it's free to you and it's free to me. It's free to those that will come, accept his terms of repenting of sins, confessing his name, surrendering to baptism, to putting the self to death, being buried and being raised to walk a new life, a new life, a new creation, a child of the living God. And they have that hope, that confidence, and that assurance that because of his love, you stay with him. He'll take you into eternity with him. As you look at your needs this morning, if they're not where they need to be, you need to make a change. If we could assist you, if we could help you in that decision, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.